This is News Talk 980 CKNW. Good morning. Thanks for being with us. Just before the news, we were chatting with Walt Cobb. He is the mayor of Williams Lake, talking about the evacuation order that was put in place for Williams Lake and the surrounding areas yesterday evening that led to a long line of traffic leaving the city, people going in whatever direction they could. That after the fire jumped the Fraser River and was threatening the town. The good news is it appears at this point there have been no structural damage. There have been no losses in the city itself and crews will be out assessing the situation there this morning. But what about the stress that can be caused from being an evacuee? And in particular, some groups have more stress than others. Amy Christensen is a fire research scientist in Edmonton with the Canadian Forest Service at Natural Resources Canada and joins us on the line. Uh, Amy, thank you so much for being with us. Hi, Jill. How are you? Good. How about you? Good, thank you. Uh, you've been looking uh, in particular uh, at First Nations uh, groups, uh, different groups that are in very stressful situations right now because of the wildfires uh, in BC. Uh, is it different for different uh, different groups of people, how they deal with this? Yes, definitely. So there's um, in research, we look often at vulnerability. So it's kind of like current conditions or, you know, mental health um, issues that they already uh, may have before they're faced with such a stressful situation, and then how it impacts um, basically how they handle the evacuation. So, I mean, evacuations are stressful for everybody across the board. Um, It doesn't matter, you know, if you're Indigenous or non-Indigenous, but there's certain characteristics of First Nations, you know, that make them more susceptible to, you know, negative impacts from the evacuation. Uh, but how so? Like you said, it, it is an extremely stressful time. Nobody would ever want to be in the position where you have to pack up what you can carry and leave your home, not knowing when you're going home to it, not knowing if it's still going to be there when you go back. Uh, how? Wh- where is the big difference then in in how that's how it's stressful for people? Okay, so for for, for most First Nations, there's a much higher proportion of the population that's young. Or um, there's also more of the population that's elderly. So generally, there's a lot of, um, I guess, pressure on, you know, people who are evacuating the community, like the parents and stuff, because they have more kids um, that they're responsible for. Um, there's also lower um, income levels on the community. So, for example, in some of our research um, communities, when people were trying to evacuate, you know, they wouldn't have gas in their vehicle, but they also wouldn't have the necessary income or savings to be able, you know, to even fuel up their vehicle. So there's a lot of stress set on them and, you know, even how they're going to get out of the community. In First Nations, we also see overcrowding in housing. So they, um, they there tends to be, you know, maybe uh, 10 to 20 people in some homes and they might only have access, <clears throat> excuse me, to one vehicle. So then they tend to, you know, have to, um, they're very stressed, you know, too, then about how they will fit and get everybody out of their community. And there's also remote and limited access. So um, generally, lots of First Nations get evacuated because the access will be cut off. So that's like what we're seeing in Williams Lake, where the access um, was cut off from a fire to the north of the community. So then they had to evacuate, you know, to, to go south. Uh, and in some First Nations uh, communities in BC right now, uh, we are seeing people mm-hmm. that are refusing to leave and, and instead staying behind and fighting uh, the fires, choosing to, to fight and, and save their homes uh, as they can. Um, is, is that, do you think, is that a less stressful situation to, to choose that instead? 
Well, I know that, uh, like, Chief um, Joel Fons there was saying that, you know, he felt that it gave the community the feeling of something to fight for. And actually what we've seen in our studies with First Nations is it's actually common for people to stay behind um, and and do firefighting and try to save, um, or they feel like save their uh, community. So um, what we've seen in, in those uh, places was that there was, you know, people with firefighting experience that stayed behind. And so on First Nations, a big proportion of their population actually has direct firefighting experience. So they feel like they have the knowledge, um, you know, to stay behind. And I know um, in the communities, um, in um, the, like with Chief Joe Fons and stuff, they have a high proportion that are staying behind with that firefighting experience. So they feel, I guess, prepared and that they have the knowledge uh, to do that, to defend their community. And in cases of, uh, like you mentioned, there might be, it might be something such as uh, you have a vehicle, but there's no gas in the vehicle and you don't have the means uh, to put gas in the vehicle. Uh, Is there not some accountability on the band uh, chief, on the band uh, administration, uh, knowing that an evacuation order is possible to make sure the people living there, to make sure uh, the people are taken care of and, and are in a position where if they have to leave, they can? Yeah, so what we've seen in our research studies was that there, what they would do is usually there's a gas station, one or two on reserve. So lots of times what would happen is they would just open the gas station so that people could come and fill up and then the band would recover or like pay for that, that um, like pay the gas station for that expense. But the problem that they were having in some of the communities we worked with was that then there were extremely long lines, and especially when you're trying to do an immediate evacuation of a community you know, that was causing um, a lot of stress for evacuees, you know, being um, in a car, in a line of cars, 100 um, cars long, just trying to, you know, get gas to leave the community because for um, lots of the First Nations, you know, they were very remote. So it was almost a two-hour drive to even get to the next community. Hmm. And, it's, and I mean, like you said as well, it can be stressful for anybody. And, and I think in other cases as well, we've seen lineups at gas stations and people caught off guard in, in this and realizing that they're not prepared for this emergency. Yeah, I mean, I think it, it is very stressful for anyone, especially, you know, when you're um, on alert or even some of the communities haven't been on alert that have gotten evacuated. But I mean, it's a a volatile situation there, and I guess it's important just to listen, you know, to the um, local news in the area and the local weather forecast. But, you know, I think yesterday or um, on Saturday was kind of the weather change that people were predicting. But I think, you know, in, in the next week, things might hopefully calm down a little bit in terms of of um, fire starts and a crazy fire behavior out there. That is the hope that people have for sure. Uh, Amy, thank you so much for joining us and talking to, to us about this this morning. Appreciate your time. Okay, thanks, Jill. Vancouver's News, Vancouver's Talk. This is News Talk 980 CKNW.